right. Well, we're going to talk about the church tonight. The, ti- the title of this is The Church of the Living God. And aren't you glad that our God is living? Amen. Well, I remember a friend of ours used to sing, uh, God's not dead. He's still alive. <laughs> you remember that song? God's not dead. He's still alive. And um, so many uh, gods that people worship are dead, but not ours. Amen. He lives and he lives big within our hearts. And so this church that he's established is uh, not only alive like like he is, but we're actually his body. Amen. The body of Christ. And so that says so much in in itself um, to to the uh, degree of the power available and the love available and and all that he is is so available to us because we are his body. But one thing it speaks very loudly is to respect each other because we respect him. Amen. So praise God, we can do that. Let's look at First Timothy chapter three. We'll start here in the word, First Timothy chapter three, and we'll read um, verse 15. Again, thank you for coming tonight. We just love being with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. First Timothy chapter three, and look at verse 15. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church. Don't you like that? It's the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth, the pillar and ground of truth. Now, you know, when when, when I was growing up, um, my mother certainly taught us how to behave in church. <laughs> Maybe yours did too, or your dad, or your grandmother, or somebody. But we were, you know, we were taught from an early age that we didn't run around the church. We didn't, we didn't even turn around and look who was behind us. You know, we sat still. We didn't talk. We didn't move. <laughs> and if we did, we got the evil eye. Have you ever gotten the evil eye? Yep. Maybe from the choir, you got the evil eye <laughs> if they were sitting. But anyway. We and you know we got spanked. I mean spanked if we didn't behave. So yeah, I understand that definition, and that's very. I think it's very respectful of the house of God and to act right, don't you? Amen. I think sometimes we can get so um, lenient of, um, or maybe the, I don't even know what the word is, but relaxed that we maybe lose a little honor. In the house of God, and we need we do need to respect. There's something about holy ground, I believe, and I believe the churches are holy ground, and so it's it's not to be taken lightly. I believe that we need to come knowing that the Spirit of God's meeting us there in a special way. Of course, He's with us all the time, but He's come to to be in the midst of us, and I believe as we honor Him and really focus on Him, you know, I. I know that nowadays, again, it's gotten so casual. People bring bring food to church like it's a movie or something or coffee. You know, we would have never dreamed growing up to bring anything in the sanctuary, right? So, I, you know, of course, we're old-fashioned, I guess, I suppose. But I don't know if, you know, if we can't go without something to drink for an hour, something's wrong, right? Really, really wrong. And that's my two cents worth. 
<laughs> my my soapbox for tonight. Maybe that's not all my soapbox tonight. I don't know. But we're praying for utterance from the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> so how to behave. And so anyway, that's, you know, that's understandable and that's good to teach your children and even, you know, check ourselves on are we behaving right in the house of God. But also these things that he was writing here to Timothy, because Timothy was a pastor, he was reminding him of the way that you carry yourself, uh, that you carry things out there, carry your service out to the local church and to the church of God. And uh, he said, you know, uh, just know that these things are the are the things to do is to respect the church of the living God, and it is a protection. Of the in a pillar, which would mean the strength um, and groundedness of truth. Um, the Amplified says the church is a, a, of the living God, the pillar and stay, the prop and support of the truth. So this is where the truth is going to spring forth. Amen. And you won't get it in the world. You know, people are searching for all kinds of things, and really they come up with their own little truths of. That are the untruths, I should say, because they're diametrically opposed to the word of God. But um, really, the word of God is the truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. So the church of the living God is that support and that prop of the truth. So that's another reason we honor the church. And I'm not talking about just the building. I'm talking about the people. Amen. And the pastor and the and the work of the ministry is because this is very significant to the to the work of God in the earth. And God takes it very seriously. I believe he takes it really seriously. Um, and, and so so should we praise God. We're you know, it's time to uh, times to laugh and have fun and have fellowship. But then there's also times where we are very serious about the things of the spirit and the things of God. Amen. And the more we are, I believe, the more focused our attention is on heaven and on the Lord and on his word. I believe the more we receive so that we can also give to the world. Amen. Because there's a lot of hurting people that are absolutely miserable. It's it's very sad and fearful. I told David the other day because I go to an exercise class and I don't know. I mean, I think there might be a couple of Christians there, but most of them, you know. Aren't they younger and they're just, I don't know, nothing wrong with being young, but unchurched, I should say. And, um, you know, I can tell it by what they talk about, how they act, what they listen to, etc. And they're so fearful, so afraid of everything. But wouldn't you be if you didn't have God? Wouldn't we be in a sad state if we didn't have Jesus and, and the Lord to, to cast all of our care and all of our burden on him? Amen. It's not that we're superhuman. It's just we've got a supernatural God <laughs> that we can depend on and that we can cast our care and know that he cares for us. We don't have to be afraid. Praise God. Um, so I think that we have to carry the, the message of, you know, the local church and 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 reignite people's longing to go to church. Amen. And um and strengthen as much as we can strengthen our local churches. So I'm going to just teach all this. You probably know, but we're going to refresh ourselves and some things about the local church. 
And uh, Paul, he he had a mission. One of his missions was, uh, he said it, was to strengthen the local church. And that's in Acts. Uh, we see in chapter 15. We'll look there quickly because I think um, I was reading one day in just my own devotion time. And this scripture kind of stood out to me. And uh, the Lord told me then, he said, this is going to be one of your assignments when you preach in different churches. You're going to talk about strengthening the local church. And um, so I, I took that seriously and I uh, have done that some so far. If I could find the book of Acts here. OK, Acts chapter 20. I'm not used to using a handheld mic, but I did tonight. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He will help me. OK. Acts chapter 15, and look at, um, let's see, let's look at verse 30, um, about 40. Uh, this is when Paul and Barnabas had uh, some contention over bringing Mark uh, with them on their traveling schedule. <laughs> Mark had uh, evidently had skipped out on them. And Barnabas still wanted him to travel. And uh, Paul said, nope, he's he's left us before and we're not going to take him. So there was sharp contention. And verse 40 says, Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now, if you look in the Amplified, maybe Yearly can put it up on verse 41. It says, and he passed through Syria and Cilicia, establishing and strengthening the churches. So he established and he strengthened the churches. Amen. Acts, this is Acts 15, 41 in the Amplified. I'd like you to, I'd like for you to see that because the word strengthening is there. And I think, uh, again, we need to uh, have that in our hearts and minds for our local church and then for any other local church. Amen. Um, we pardon. Oh, it's up there. Good. You see that establishing and strengthening the churches. And then um, down in chapter 16, verse five, it says, and so were the churches established in faith and increased in number daily. In the Amplified, this is uh, Acts 16.5, so the churches were strengthened and made firm in the faith, and they increased in number day after day. So, again, the strength, strengthening of churches and a firm foundation, a firm establishment to Paul was very important. And he was visiting these these churches doing that. And I believe that we need, to, again, we have ministers in here. We need to always remember part of our, I believe, calling is to make sure we strengthen a church when we go. You know, I always pray before I go to churches that I am not only a blessing and a refreshing to the people, but to the pastors. Amen. That I, my main ministry when I go is to those pastors. And then when the overflow can go to the wonderful people, praise God. But the pastors are the ones that are going to be there feeding the flock day after day, month after month, year after year. And I'm telling you from pastoring myself for 40 years, sometimes we needed help. And I'm not talking about 
I, I, I'm not talking about financial help necessarily. I'm talking about just some, somebody to speak an encouraging word. Amen. Cause you can get pretty beat up doing what we're called to do at times by people. But, uh, when people, when ministers would come in that had a heart to minister to the ministers, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And the whole church was blessed because of it. You know, everybody was blessed because of it. So we need to keep that in mind that the churches are strengthened. I, I would never want to go away from a church and them say, well, you caused a split or you caused division or what you said, you know, what I would rather go back up in that pulpit and say, forget what I said. Your pastor is right. <laughs> Amen. Because you want to strengthen that and not weaken it or divide it or cause strife. It's just not right. Amen. And I've been places, I've been in denominational churches and they asked me not to mention certain things. And I said, fine, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cross over to uh, what I feel like I need to do when a pastor is saying, please respect our congregation and don't talk about this, this, this. Amen. We could talk about Jesus. That's what I want to talk about also. So we just talk about the Lord. Amen. And that God is good. So uh, we see this. Strengthen the local churches. Now, I, I see there's four things that we can do to strengthen the local church. And, of course, we're here at Grace Harvest, so we want to keep in mind this church. First of all, to assemble together. Isn't that simple and profound? Come to church. Amen. That's a way we can strengthen it. And I think sometimes the devil lies to us and says, well, you're not important or you're not significant or what, what good would it do if you missed a service or, you know, what harm would it do if you missed the service tonight or Sunday or whenever? And you know, sometimes those times when I, cause the devil's told me that before. And when I have come to that particular service, something really significant happened. If either from the pulpit or, or just visiting and fellowshipping with people or maybe in prayer or, or, you know, in some way something happened that the devil did not want to happen and it happened through me. Isn't that amazing? So I think that we come and David said this the other day when we were, we were talking about the scriptures and kind of praying together and he said, you know, we used, to, we used to come to church with a supply. Everybody, you know, we were taught to come with a supply instead of just come to get something out of it, but come to give something and a smile even. Amen. Or, a, you know, a, a encouraging word or something. Yeah. Faith. Just add faith to the service. And so um, I think that we can be such an inspiration for those who are sitting next to us in the pew. Amen. I've had people, when I wasn't even preaching or anything, come up and say, I just love the way you worship the Lord. And I wasn't even thinking about that or, you know, but people are watching and it inspires them to worship. It inspires them to serve God, which brings me to the next point. So the first one is come to church, assemble yourselves together. The word says that to us and then pray. Amen. Pray. Praise God. Be a person of prayer. That means all the time just talking to God and listening to God. And then also remember to pray for your local church. Pray for your pastor. And I, I, I tell people this. It's, it's, I'm not joking. I know it 
sounds funny, but pray for anybody that has anything to do with me. Like I go get my hair done and I pray for my hairdresser, you know, (laughs) if I go get to the doctor, I pray for my doctor to have the wisdom of God and, you know, they're, they're practicing, right? So, you know, you got to pray for them to know what's going on with you. And if I'm, if I'm, I don't know, something I was doing day before yesterday and I thought, I'm just going to pray about this. It was small, but you know, God doesn't mind small asking about small little things. Amen. And then, uh, serving is number three. You know, there ought to be something that we can do to serve the Lord in church. And it could be, it could be singing, it could be playing, it could be ushering, it could be just greeting people at the door or just greeting people and talking to people. Um, you know, there's so many ways you can serve God and it doesn't have to take a lot of time to do that. And, uh, it doesn't really have to take a lot of energy. Sometimes it does, but God blesses you for it. Amen. Service to Him. And there's such a joy when you get to serve God, isn't it? It's not like anything else. I've told God for years, I didn't care if you paid me ever a penny. I would do what I'm doing because I love to serve God. Amen. Now, thank God he does pay and he pays well. But, you know, when you're serving him from your heart and you know that he's pleased and you're pleased, it's just joy. And I thank God for that. And um, if you haven't served, you might want to sign up and just you could probably get some really good feeling out of that, too. You know, we talk about how people want to feel so good. They want to feel good. Well, you can feel good when you're serving. Amen. Makes you feel good. And then uh, the third, the fourth thing tonight and the, and the last thing that I'll mention, there's different ways, of course, to strengthen the church. But I'm just mentioning four. Assemble yourselves, pray, serve, and then tithes and offerings, giving. Amen. Um, I had a pastor's wife's friend, friend of mine, pastor's wife, and uh, she she said, Scott, some the other day somebody asked me if the government paid for our church stuff, you know. <laughs> and she said, are you kidding me? I, she said, people are so crazy nowadays, they have no idea. And, you know, of course, you wouldn't want the government paying for, because you know what the government would be having us teach right now? Dear Lord, you don't even want to know it. So anyway... The, the government doesn't pay for the church. Praise God. God has made a way for God's people to pay for the church. And he supplies that. Amen. And it's a joy. Once again, tithing and giving offerings is a joy. It's not um, something that's a task or that we're forced to do or, you know, a gun to our head. Amen. It's a joy to us to tithe and to give offerings. And I love the tithe. You know, one reason I love it so much is because it does give us a beginning place to uh, know where to start giving with God. And, uh, you know, I think about restaurants nowadays where they they'll put it at the bottom of your ticket. You know, they they probably don't even do 10 percent anymore. It's more like 15, 20, 22, 25. You know? But at least they tell you what you can do. Isn't that good? I mean, you don't have to get your little calculator out and do it. They've done it for you. And I think, you know, if we can do that at a restaurant, thank God he's told us where to begin in our giving. And that's the the first 10 percent. Amen. The first 10 percent of all of our increase. It belongs to God. The Bible says it's holy, holy unto the Lord. So it's a joy for me to tithe. And um, I just love 
giving to the Lord and love him. Now, it's, it's sometimes it's uncomfortable to the flesh when he speaks to you about giving, like sacrificial giving, when he tells you to do something that you hadn't planned. Has that ever happened to you, Pam? <laughs> that happened to a lot of us. Has that ever happened to you? Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. And you know what I'm saying. Like one time he said, I want you to give your whole paycheck this week. This was years ago. And I said, well, Lord, you know, Lord, how will we eat like we needed to eat? We could have fasted a week and not and really had any problem. But, um, the, you know, the flesh wants to, <laughs> the flesh wants to argue with the spirit of God. And, you know, you just have to obey the Lord. And I'm telling you, uh, I can, I, I would, it would take me all night to tell you the miracles. And I'm sure you could tell me the miracles too of how God blesses. He never asks us to do something that he doesn't multiply it back and give it into our lives. Amen. Such a good God and such a supporter and a provider because he is a good, good father. So those four things we can do, we can assemble together, pray, serve, and then give offerings and tithe. Now, that's our responsibility as a congregation. And I, you know, believe that is even for the pastors i believe those things and and yet you know also the pastor's job number one you know foundation of his job and my job as pastor is to feed the flock amen feed the flock and so we want to always be feeding a good nutritious balanced meal for the flock so that you grow up and healthy and fat amen <laughs> that you're able to uh, bequeath other sheep. <laughs> you can have other sheep come come in. Praise God, because sheep begat sheep, right? Hallelujah. So um, again, the emphasis, um, even in Ephesians chapter five, is it okay if I take about five more minutes with this? All right. Ephesians chapter five, we see the uh, parallel between Christ and the church and husbands and wives which those two um, wonderful uh, uh, covenant relationships are uh, the institutions of God. We see that uh, God instituted the family, the husband and the wife, and he instituted the church. Praise God. So we're going to read through this, and I want to just point out to you that he's, he's definitely giving us some information about husbands and wives, but he's also... The, the real emphasis here is Christ and the church. Amen. So keep that in mind. Christ and the church. Sometimes we get so hung up on the husband and wife here that we don't see Christ in the church. And that's really what he wants us to see in this, these scriptures. Um, verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. In other words, we are to, to, uh, um, love one another and be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, that sometimes takes a little bit of humility, doesn't it? But that's okay. Hallelujah. Look at uh, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He's the head of the church. We've got a good head on our shoulders. We've got the mind of Christ now. 
Praise God. And he thinks for us and we think his thoughts because we have his word. Amen. We can think how he thinks. We can look into the word and see. Now, what would God think about this situation? And we can see how he would think. If we if we don't see it in the word, we can ask him and the Holy Spirit will say, well, this is how God thinks about it. He will share with us the, the feelings and the thoughts and the ways of God. So um, here we see the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Now, I believe that. You know, and I know in Ephesians it says that he has set some in the church, first apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I thank God for the fivefold ministry gifts. We are part of that. Amen. And I cherish that and I'm so grateful that I'm called to ministry and have been for years and years, fivefold ministry gifts. However, I'm not the head of the church. And others who are standing in those offices are not the head of the church. Amen. There's one head, and it would be weird if there was more than one head. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And you know what's so cool about that, I think, is when, you know, when, when there's any, ever a problem, you can go to the head. You are invited to go to the head of the church. Amen? With any situation, with any problem. And really, we're supposed to take it to the Lord in prayer, aren't we? Isn't that what the song says? Take it to the Lord in prayer instead of yap or call every person we know or write horrible things on Facebook or whatever. We're supposed to take it to the Lord in prayer because he is the head of the church. Years ago, my parents had a motel in Panama City Beach and mother learned, you know, they were young and, and biz, young couple in business and learning a lot. And one of the things she taught me, she said, Scarlett, if you ever have to deal with problems at the motel, you know, there was always, you know, the laundry people or the the uh, garbage people or the plumbers or the air conditioned people. You know, we're always dealing with a lot of different businesses. And she said, always talk to the head, <laughs> always talk to the head person. And I'd hear her on the phone say, I need to talk to your owner. <laughs> I need to talk to the head person here. Are you the head? Or Because you can just get things done when you go to the head. Amen. And I've thought about that. I love that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the head of the church. Amen. And he's the cornerstone. And I'm invited by him to come anytime that I want to talk, anytime that I need help, anytime I have a problem, I'm in strife, I'm in worry, I'm in care, I can go to the head. Isn't that fantastic? I don't have to go through anybody. You know, I don't have to go to this person and they go to him. I can go to him. And I love that. And I think that he has the final word on everything. And not, you know, not necessarily a prophet or apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher. They're good. They're wonderful. We is one. Amen. As they say. But I, I know that men are fallible at times. And I thank God that we have a, a Lord that is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. And he is the truth. So praise God. He's the head of the church. Okay. Let's move along here. I'm just going to go through these scriptures and tell you what it says about the Lord. It says he's the savior of the body. Verse 24, the church is subject unto Christ. Verse 25, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it 
that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Isn't that an interesting statement? I love when I used to hear Brother Hagen or others say, you know, he didn't sanctify it by tragedy and, and horribleness in your life and disease. And he didn't, you know, clean you up by putting you on your back in the ER, you know, all these things. Because I grew up with some of that stuff. But he washes and sanctifies us through the washing of the water by the word. And then verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Christ, verse 29, nourishes and cherishes the church. He nourishes and cherishes. Now, if I want to be like Christ, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to nourish and cherish the church. Amen. Because I'm his body. I'm a part of his body. So I do what he does. I don't try to tear it up or tear it down or, 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 you know, pit one group against the next group or, or, you know, what attack, you know, the Bible says in the latter times there'll be grievous wolves that come in and some of them in sheep clothing, you know, and if you're sitting next to a sheep and they got some fangs out, you know, that's not a real sheep. <laughs> Amen. They've got those canine teeth and they're stirring up strife and, and discord among the church. You can just mark it. It's a wolf or maybe a goat, but maybe probably a wolf. Um, Brother Hagen, I know I quote him a lot, but he's my father in the faith. Um, he used to say that if anything ever, if any person ever comes against a local church, it is demonically driven. You can just check it off. It is demonically driven. Isn't that interesting? And, and you know, he wasn't one that said everything was demons. He just wasn't. He didn't preach that way. But he said you can be certain when a person comes into a church and starts stri- stirring up strife or uh, doing, you know, divisive things against the pastor, or against congregation, that it is demonically driven. Now, they might not be know that they're being used of the devil. They might not know it. Some people are ignorant. They're just they're just doing what, you know, whatever, maybe trying to take control. I don't know. But I'm just saying that is an interesting fact because the Bible says it is so pleasant when a, a body of believers uh, dwell together in unity. And it's so powerful and the anointing is so wonderful, isn't it? And um, how pleasant it is. And then, of course, we're supposed to pray. That the body of Christ dwells together in unity and the bond of peace. So here, verse 32, I speak this great mystery concerning Christ and the church. Christ and the church. So this mystery is all about Christ and his body. Christ and the church. He's the head and we are his body. And then, of course, in 1 Corinthians 12, it says the body is not one member, but many. And then it says how we are to respect and honor one another. And there's so many differences. That's okay. It's okay to be different. In fact, I believe that it's a real strength to have the differences because whatever I can't do, Pam can do. And what Pam can't do, maybe I could fill in and do it, you know. And so then we have the um, strength of God. We have the strength of Christ when we're working together and knit together in the love of God. Praise God. Well, did you get anything out of that? Amen. 
All right. Well, you can stand up and we'll pray. Father, I thank you for each one listening on live stream and here tonight that they've been encouraged and strengthened. I thank you, Father, that if they're not part of a local church, that they'll become a part to strengthen their local church. I thank you, Lord, for those listening. And I I pray that even, you know, if they're way off in another state or another city, that they'll find a place to worship and, and be a part of the local church there. I thank you, Lord, that as they do that, they'll see the anointing on their pastor. They'll see the anointing for their children and for their teenagers and for their family, and they'll be strengthened and helped and blessed because of it. And I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that helps us, guides us to where we need to be and guides us and directs us and plants us in a church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, God bless you. You're dismissed. I'll see you Sunday morning.